Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. I have a confession to make before we get the ball rolling on today's episode. And that is that for most of my life, I have suffered from snack addiction. It's a debilitating and crippling affliction that many of you will know. I am basically powerless over the urge to eat tiny morsels of food in the belief that they're only snacks and sure, that's not that bad, right? The addiction is made worse by the presence of tea. Tea, for me, is the gateway drink for most snack addicts. This addiction, I swear, has ruined every attempt I have made to get fit for the last 20 years of my life. And I recognise that I need help. And not just to stop, even though I think that that might be impossible, but to make my snack choices better for me and my running. Who better than the greatest Irish athlete of all time to advise me on what to do? You're very welcome to another Irishman running abroad with me, Jonathan Regan, and the aforementioned Irish athletics legend, Sonia O'Sullivan. How are you, Sonia? Good morning. I am very good, ready to get going with another week of activity. (laughs) We're going to dig deep into this topic today and get Sonia's advice on the pre-run, the mid-run and the post-run snack world and the mentality needed. Let's face it, it is a mentality shift that I need to stop the constant need for high sugar snacks. Is tea the problem? We will see. Let's first catch up with Sonia after a furious week of training, Sonia at Nike, running in the dark for the Mark Pollock Trust on Wednesday. And then just for the crack, you threw in a half marathon in California. Tell us about how that came about and how you're how you're feeling now after this kind of surprise long run. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I'm I actually feel really good today. I mean, I've only just got up. It's like six o'clock in the morning, but the sun is getting up. But it's actually a bonus because yesterday before the race, I had to get up at five o'clock in the morning. And um, I kind of got a trip down here to California to check out a potential training camp for our team next year in January. We're tossing up between Florida and California at the moment. Right. And yeah, so this kind of we were we were kind of going to Florida, and then uh, Jordan Hasse, she lives in San Luis Obispo. She said, oh, "Why don't you check out California?" And because nobody's been to where we wanted to go in Florida, and nobody's been here, I kind of thought, "Well, we got to see these places because it's really hard. I mean, it's hard enough for me to look at things on Google Maps. I feel like I need to get a proper map, you know, and map things out where you're going to stay." Yeah where you're going to run, where the track is, where the gym is. So I was kind of drawing these little hand maps of Florida. And then we decided maybe it would be a good idea to actually go to California and check it out because it's closer to come here. And, yeah, it's um, so how similar far is that from Beaverton? Where, how far is that from where the Nike HQ is? So it took me six hours door to door. Right. So that was going to the airport. And then I actually had to do a, um, it wasn't a direct flight. You can get a direct flight, but it didn't work timing for me this week. Um, I think there's one a day. So you would have to fit in what you're doing. And if you did that, then you'd probably cut it by at least another hour. 
which would be great. And then where we're actually saying it's only like 20 minutes from the airport. And what are you looking for? So if it's 20 minutes from the airport, that's obviously a big plus. But are you looking for a, a house, a, an Airbnb near all of the things that Jordan has recommended are cool places to train? Well, before you even look at a house, you've actually got to look at the running trails. And like the big thing is the soft surface running. Right. Because America is a very much, there's a lot of concrete and a lot of people run on footpaths and pavements Mm. in cities all over America. And they love it. Like I remember when I went to Chicago and they run around the lake and there's this, like this huge, like, I mean, you can run forever, but it's a, what they call a bitumen. So like a tarmac (laughs) road, footpath. I know the stuff. Yeah. It's like a big block of, of concrete. Yeah, and it looks fantastic, but it wears you out if you run on that all the time. So we rarely run on stuff like that. So we really need some kind of nice trails, nice grass fields to run on. And, you know, you can have a few hills for the weekend, but not you don't want to always be doing hilly runs. Because a lot of the time you'd be recovering from track sessions and, you know, other fast sessions during the week. And, yeah, it seems to tick all the boxes there. So we mm. went around yesterday after the half marathon. So Jordan then, of course, she said, well, she said, I've got to start this half marathon on Sunday and then I've got to go to the finish and do a few things. You know, maybe you should run. (laughs) So she was the celebrity guest with the gun. She was, yeah. So it's called the City to the Sea Half Marathon and it was the 25th year that they had run it. Um, And it kind of, it benefits a local community college Cuesta College which we actually visited yesterday and they have a lovely track and a nice cross-country course so that would be some of the places that we like to run if we come here in January and um, yeah I I mean a half marathon I was thinking it's a bit longer now than I'd like (laughs) I haven't I really haven't raced anything more than a 5k for a long time or even run hard over anything more than a 5k but I thought Asher what better way to get your Sunday long run in and um yeah, the big debate for me was then whether I would wear my next percent fast shoes or my regular training shoes, because it's a long way to go mm. down the road when you're used to having, you know, orthotics in your shoes or some kind of support inserts, because after, you know, after an hour of running, you can kind of get a bit tired. Your feet can flatten out if you're in what, what I would have been in the past racing flats. Hmm. And uh, it's funny, I was even talking to Jordan about this yesterday and she was like, I don't know how you used to run in those shoes. And it is amazing because the carbon plated shoes, they just give you so much support. It's ridiculous and so comfortable. Like normally my feet would be so sore, I'd have blisters and all sorts of things after running a half marathon. And I couldn't believe how good I felt yesterday. You wore the next percent in the end and you didn't have any blisters at all and felt your feet felt fresh. Yeah, so I'd have no hesitation wearing them in a marathon now. If I, if I was to do a marathon, I hope. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it, like this bodes really well, because like, let's be honest, the time was one hour 36 at a pace of 4.33 per kilometre. I mean, it's an incredible time, really, when you're like, I haven't run one of these in ages. Ah, oh, sure, I'll give it a lash. Your eyes must have popped out of your head when you, you saw what you'd done it in. Well, I had an idea. I mean, Jordan asked me at the start, she said, how long do you think it'll take me? Because, you know, she wants to know 
how long she's got to wait for me mm. <laughs> to get down to the finish. And also her high school, her old high school, Mission High School in San Luis Obispo, they had a water station just after seven miles. So I knew that, yeah, I didn't know she was going to be there, but she was. And, uh, and so I knew there was going to be people there who knew I was running. And it's kind of nice that you know there's someone out there who's going to be looking out for you. Yeah. So I was trying to give her an estimate of how long it would take me to get there. And I said, well, I said, I'm sure I could do 100 minutes, no problem. But if I go too fast, then I could do 100 minutes and it'll be hard work. (laughs) So I was already in my mind trying to balance out what I was going to do. And, you know, I think Trevor had recommended I start off at about 440 per kilometre pace. And so I started kind of in... I wasn't on the front row of the start line and and you could easily be because mm. it was just a fun run, local fun run. But I just didn't want to be out there flying down the road at the start. But then they start and then there's people all over the place and they're getting in the way <laughs> when you're not used to that. It annoys you. So I had to just kind of extricate myself out of that. And in the end, I think I ended up running about a 4.20 first kilometre and then settling down into my 4.30s. And and there was actually a few hills along the way too. Yeah, there was a I'm few top hills. Now. I'm just looking, and people can mm-hmm. look at the analysis of this. It's all up there on Strava. It's one of the beautiful things about it is you can actually go down through it. Yeah, there's a few decent hills in there. Oh yeah, there was one at around. I think it was it was around halfway, and it was definitely after 10k because mm. uh, I ran 45 minutes I think for the first 10k. And I remember going up this hill and I was thinking, oh, my God, I feel terrible. This is is going to be a long last half. And then I actually got to the top. And I think what happens is when there's people around you and you see them kind of struggling as well up the hills. And then when you come over the top of the hill and you feel yourself back running again and you start to catch up to people and pass people. And there's always these things to motivate you Mm. along the way. But then I'm always out there. I'm always looking around at what people are wearing and... uh, (laughs) You know, wondering why are they wearing that, you know? And why is that person carrying a backpack? Like, what can they possibly have <laughs> in that in backpack back. yeah. that they need to carry for half a marathon? <laughs> well, before we came on air, you told me uh, about the kind of trick you played on yourself to get there in this half marathon. And we thought this mightn't be the worst tip of the week. Tip of the week, tip of the week. Tip of the week, tip of the week, tip of the week, tip of the week. It's Sonia's tip of the week. Yeah, well, I think, you know, if you stand on the start line and I mean, whether it's a marathon or a half marathon, it's a long way. So I was I was checking my watch in kilometers. So I had it set and I set it up wrong because I don't know. I used to have a thing on here to auto lap it and it would tell you the time of every kilometer. And so when I set the thing yesterday, I put up alerts. So it just alerted me every kilometre, which is kind of annoying because... You have to keep looking down. It tells you it's a kilometre, mm. but then it doesn't actually... You don't see the time until a few seconds later when mm. that alert disappears. Yeah. So I only looked at that for the first 5k or so, and then I kind of ignored that. So that was when I got to 5k and I was thinking, okay, that's a quarter done about. And then I thought, right, if I can keep this pace going to... 10k then that's a pretty good start so you kind of have all these positive things in your head and then along the road because it's in america they think about everything in miles 
So there's no kilometer markings, there's only mile markers. So then I started thinking, okay, well, 16 kilometers will be 10 miles. And I knew I'd, I'd done 10 miles a few times in training. So I was, had no problem knowing I could go 10 miles, but I didn't know how I was going to react after that. So I said, okay, once I get to 16K, then there's only 5K to go. That's only a park run to go. And then you just break it down and it's great when you're within 5K, you know, it's 4K to go, 3K. And then you start calculating how much time that's left. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of maths going on in my head. Yeah, and, and a lot of breaking down. Uh, I mean, I just loved the, I think the tip of the chunking, the breaking it down into those manageable pieces is something that we're all inclined to forget. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think it's, you know, when, when we get lining you up for a marathon, Gerald, we'll have to get you for a half, I think we'll have to get you for a half marathon first. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be on, I'll level with you about the prospect of doing a, a marathon isn't appealing to me at the moment. Uh, I don't know why. I'm much it's more, not appealing to you. No, yeah, I'm much more excited about, you know, the prospect of doing some cross countries and, of course, your own 10-mile road race. Shout out to the Sonia 10-mile cove road race, which is fast arriving on the horizon I don't know it's just all the time Everyone, every email we get and we've got some great letters coming in the second half of the show from listeners who have done their first uh, marathon it's just that time commitment isn't it it's a massive massive time commitment I think you nearly need to be single to do it if you've got a family <laughs> a second job as a comedian and podcaster it just seems like a lot of time I, I don't know I'm loving the speed because Jacob Plimo, is that his name? Jacob Caplimo might have broken the world half marathon record over the weekend. But did he run the St. Albans Park run in a new PB of 22.39 to claim 29th place? No, he didn't. But I did. And I'll tell you, Sonia, I was buzzing off my head afterwards. And to me, fourth place in my age category Take that, Jacob. <laughs> I felt great. I was like, you know what? Maybe plodding along for 26 miles isn't who I am. It crossed my mind that maybe I need to just think about, well, maybe I just love trying to run as fast as I can over shorter distances for a while and put the prospect of running a marathon into the future somewhere down the road. Is that is that a thought that people have? Am I crazy for kind of tilting my focus that way? Well, I think while you, while you have the speed and while you're continuing to improve at the shorter distances, then it's really good to keep doing that because the faster you can be, then the easier it is to run a marathon at a slower pace. Hmm. And I think that was for me yesterday. So if I was trying to run 5K, which I might do on Thursday, there's a, you know, it's Thanksgiving on this Thursday coming up. So there's a few turkey trots around the place. Yeah. <laughs> so I might get myself out for a 5k early in the morning and for that like it's just to me I actually prefer the slow stuff right now like to run 5k at four minutes per kilometer pace is just hard work mm. like you know you get to 2k and you know you're eight minutes in and you've got 12 to go and you really have to work hard and push yourself and like it's really you know you're you're breathing hard it's it's, it's a lot. It's racing, you know. Yeah, yeah and you're sore. It's, it's pretty hard. But whereas when you're running 4.30 pace, it's just this nice cruising pace. And I always, I think we've said this before, it's like when, you know, the plane takes off and then you get to cruising altitude. 
and you're just cruising for as long as you can. And so for me to do a half marathon, I always say, I actually sat on the bench yesterday at the end of the race and I was, it was next to this kid's playground and I was changing my shoes and this fellow was sitting next to me and I kind of asked him how he got on and, and he was really happy with himself. It was his first ever, he said it was his first ever race and his first ever half marathon and he'd run about 20, I think he wanted to run around two hours and he ran one, fa- one hour 40. Wow. And just the satisfaction of seeing someone, you know, complete something. And he was like, oh, I'm, I love this. He said, I want to do a few more races now. <laughs> and he was really into it. But I think just the, the satisfaction of, you know, pacing yourself to do something. And then you kind of think, if it's, it's just a whole thing of concentration more than racing. Mm. and it's a, it's a very tolerable pace that you can do once you find that cruising pace. Mm. But then it's kind of, okay, do you, can you keep it going for longer? And can you keep going it for a marathon? And, and how, so then you'd probably have to adjust your pace back again another little bit Yeah. to go for the marathon. But it's just to find that pace. And, and to me, it re, for me, it's a real sense of, concentration and focus focus and patience as well mm. and it's and it's actually boring like it's monotony <laughs> <laughs> so you see i don't listen i couldn't listen to anything so for no. me that's that's how i've got all the numbers going in my head because i'm just thinking about numbers the whole way and you're just trying as long as possible to put off the kind of you know hardship of the whole thing and the the torture of it all at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's great to hear you talk about it. And we've got so much more to get into. I even signed up to my first ever cross country. I'll be uh, taking part with for the St. Albans Striders in December. If there's anyone else taking part in the uh, at Lloyd Park in Croydon on December 11th. I'll be taking part in the over 40s part of that. I can't believe I'm, wow. I'm even part of that. But it's it's happening. So if you are one of the Irish people running abroad taking part in that, give us a shout and maybe we'll meet up and get a get a bit of a chat that day. But we need to get to today's topic, Sonia, because this is uh, an area, this snack world. Aside from my own snack addiction, This topic was brought about because of a beautiful letter that I received from a woman named Noelle, who has a really touching story. She says, my daughter had been told to cut out dairy, wheat and white sugar. She says she was only 13 at the time and I didn't want her to feel left out and she didn't want to make her hosts feel bad. So I started making chocolates and desserts for movies and parties and sleepovers that she could bring to share with her pals. And they loved them and it felt great uh, to be giving them a simple, healthier option, especially when they started questioning and requesting your mom's sweets, which is just like, it's fantastic that this is all born out of this love for her daughter. It then became my dream to have the snacks available in everyday 
stores, Noel says, so that Laura and everyone else who loved chocolate, like myself, but wanted and needed to have a healthier alternative could simply go to their local shop, like the corner shop where you get the newspaper or health food store and just find these kind of snacks. And here we are, these many years down the road and Supernature is in the world. And Noel was kind enough to uh, send me a box. You can follow these guys on Instagram, Supernature underscore snacks. They're on Facebook as well. And I swear, these are absolutely delicious on you. We have to get a box of peanut butter cups and hazelnut clusters and things that I just never thought would be tasty that are tasty and just kind of these alternatives. And I think if we're going to address this from the topic that I raised in the beginning, which is that a lot of new runners just aren't in the habit of finding alternatives to the things they used to eat in their unhealthy lifestyle, that something like a supernature snack is a good way to go. And the danger, I think, Sonia, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, is that a lot of foods aren't like supernature. A lot of these foods that are being put on the shelf as healthy alternatives often contain worse stuff than your average Mars bar. Yeah, well, I'm just um, wrapping my little packet here now. <laughs> I, was, I, I felt when you were talking at the start about snacks and I was trying to open up this cliff bar that I had here, which are my kind of go-to snacks in a way. And now, now I'm trying to read the ingredients and see what's in here. A cliff bar. And it's funny when it, a cliff bar, have you ever heard of them? No, I'm looking them up here now. They're, they're, they've always been my favourite kind of um, energy bar in America. Um right. And you can actually buy them, you can get them in Australia, and I'm pretty sure you can get them in Ireland and England now. They seem, they're around the world, I think. Sure. But over here, you know, they come with all the holiday flavours and stuff, like there'll be some kind of pumpkin spice out there now, and some cinnamon thing for Christmas, (laughs) (laughs) because they just do that. But... um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of sugar and all sorts of stuff in here and people will tell me that they're they're not great. But I mean, I often, whenever I go to the supermarket, I find myself always throwing two or three into the bag. And it's like as if I need to have an emergency supply with me all the time of um, cliff bars just in case. So there's always one in my bag. And even if I'm with the athletes anytime and... Um, you know, someone's needing a snack. There's always a cliff bar in my bag. Mm-hmm. And if there's not, if there's not a cliff bar in the bag, then, you know, I'm kind of thinking, how did I run out? You know, <laughs> and I'm like in my bag and it's always one of these kind of satchel bags that, you know, you can never find or see anything. And my hand's in there. I say, it's got to be in here somewhere. It's got to be here somewhere. <laughs> well, but... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's the healthiest option, but my thing is that I'm not eating them every day. Yes. And, you know, I'm not eating a lot of them. I kind of save them for emergencies yeah, so rather the, than kind of regular snacks. Yeah, because that can be the thing that people are using these as meal replacements. What Noelle says in her letter is, and I mean, this is she says that they make their chocolate from scratch and they only use three ingredients so they wouldn't put in emulsifiers palm oil any flavorings no processing aids these are all the things she's saying to watch out for that are her chocolate snacks that the that the deal here is to 
kind of grown in the ground, not in a lab is the is the mantra. Now, I'm looking up cliff bars and the likes, and they're saying that, as you say, as long as they're not consumed every day, they're not too bad. But this is the thing that people can use these as a crutch. Whereas what I feel like with something like a supernature or one that you may have made yourself at home, you know what's in there. Now, I know that you uh, you have in the past in previous episodes, if people want to go back, Sonia's taught me how to make my own protein balls. Are you still making your own snacks? And is that ahead of Cliff Bars? Would that be where you would go when convenience allows? I actually haven't been making my nut balls as we used to <laughs> talk about them, um, mainly because when I'm away from home and home, I suppose, where where I make these is generally Australia because that's where I've got the food processor. And um, I don't have one in Ireland because I don't have enough space to store it away. So I generally don't make them there either. So I always find when I can't make my own energy balls like that, that I try to go with just simple, basic things like fruit, nuts. So I just keep it really simple. So because I suppose when you make these nut balls, it's a combination of the fruit and the nuts. Mm. In you know you smush them all up and you make them into one tasty thing. So yeah, I kind of get away from that. But then I, I, I really do like when I can make my own things as well. So the only thing I've been making while I'm traveling at the moment, and I brought some with me this weekend to have yesterday morning, is the the muesli where I toast the oats in the oven with the honey and yes. coconut oil, and then add in my own like dried fruit and nuts and little pieces of ginger um, just to make it my own muesli. And I think the thing with that, and it's probably the same with the super nature snacks, is the expiry date is probably not very long in the super snacks. Would that be right? Yeah, I've got one in my hand here now and it's saying August 2022 on it. Which is well, that's pretty interesting. good. Yeah. I mean, these are the mm-hmm. chocolate-covered hazelnuts. No gluten, no refined sugar, no, no dairy. But yeah, I know what you mean. That usually the 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 more simplistic and less additives, the shorter the the above best before date. But that's pretty incredible. Eleventh yeah. to the eighth. So I wonder what they have in there that's preserving it then or keep so it don't have to be kept in the fridge or anything then no it it doesn't need to be kept in the fridge i'm just looking at the ingredients here because i'm sure if i made my own nut bars i don't think they'd last until august 2022 yeah you know but there's only four ingredients here like this is the thing uh cacao butter coconut sugar and cacao powder uh, and obviously the hazelnuts. Uh, mm-hmm. the, people can check these out. You can actually get them on Amazon. The raspberry chocolate covered raisins were the ones that I fell in love with immediately. But honestly, Sonia, the reason why I'm devoting so much time to this is because my snack addiction, as I say at the start, as from talking to other runners and talking to other lads who have struggled with their weight after having years of being like really slim athletes in Throughout secondary school, a lot of guys of my generation would pile on pounds when they head to university, start drinking pints and aren't on the team anymore. And the snack addiction comes about through that process of 
just thinking you could eat anything you wanted in your teens and continuing that habit through your 20s. And when you sit down to Netflix in the evening, the challenge is finding something that doesn't feel like misery (laughs) when you put it to your lips because you're surrounded by other people who are, you know, they've got Maltesers on top of, you know, Pringles. I know that you've had a lifetime of resisting temptation to the point of that not being a temptation to you. You'd have no interest in that, correct? Not really, no. I mean, to me, when you're talking about that now, I'm kind of thinking that's maybe around Christmas time, you know, when there's lots of these things hanging around and you're just kind of, you know, dipping in and out of stuff. But then the next day you feel rubbish after having all this stuff and you kind of think, oh, I can't do that again now. <laughs> and So for me, like the worst thing ever is, you know, to go to the movies and there's people all around and they've got fucking buckets of popcorn and, you know, they're rattling sweet wrappers and stuff. And you're kind of thinking, I can't hear the movie. <laughs> we didn't come here for a picnic. We came to watch so, the movie. So you're not even you're not even in that moment in the cinema going, oh, geez, I wish I'd gotten the, the revels. You're just oh, like, it's really annoying. It's just like, the noise. And again, I. Oh, my God, I was on the plane the other day and there's nothing worse than someone eating food that smells like if you eat food and it smells, you don't smell it because you're eating it. But if you're not eating it and these people next to me, they're eating some kind of friggin jerky or something. It was some dried meat thing. And oh, my God, it, it the stink. I was like, oh, my God, I had to hold my breath. Well, the, you know, so this bad. is like a wider metaphor for what we're talking about here, because as you say, If you were to eat those things, you would feel like crap the next day. Whereas I think that most of us normies get into such a habit of putting so much of this kind of stuff, refined sugar into your body that you can't actually get the stink anymore, that you (laughs) you can't you can't you're able to listen to your body. But we've essentially either turned up the noise so loud in there in terms of our digestion that we're not even aware of what this junk is doing. I know that I'm having difficulty with my digestion since upping the mileage. Is this a common thing? And are my poor snack choices contributing to it? Well, possibly, yes. And and I was actually thinking about this yesterday that there's probably a place that you've never been to yet when you run a long way. So like an hour and a half mm-hmm. at least, so a half marathon. And you're like your insides just turn inside out. So by the time you're at the end of the run, you can't even face eating it. Like you should be hungry and you should need to put something into you. Yes, I think but I was there Saturday stomach, a week ago. <laughs> your stomach is so upset that you can't the do anything. Of food. Yeah. Yeah. And like I had this and, and the biggest problem with this is so when you're lining up for a long race, like a half marathon or a marathon is at the start of the race, everybody wants to go into the into the porta potties or, mm. you know, there's a bit of an urgency to get in there before the start so that you don't have to stop along the way. And yesterday, I think because I didn't get up early, I got up at five o'clock in the morning and the race was at seven. And I had a cup of coffee and a little bit of my cereal. But it just wasn't enough time to get me 
up and moving and going. And so I just had this whole thing in my head that I was going to have to stop at some point in the race. And I knew there was portaloos along the way. But because I suppose I was going at this nice steady pace, I had this fear if I stop now, ruin it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be able to get going again. Mm. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's no fun at all to have that kind of thought in the back of your head for the last half of the race. You know, and then, and then I think your stomach gets even more upset because you're kind of like, I don't know, things are rumbling around inside there while you're running down the road. And it's, I, it, I'm sure it's a, a topic that there's many people out there would love to discuss all the gory details. <laughs> I know. I think we discussed doing a taboo, um, uh, to running taboos episode and probably the whole uh, uh, toilet aspect of the running would be in that category because I know I'm not that comfortable talking about it, but it is starting to become an issue because, as you say, once you're starting to run for 90 minutes, that last Saturday week ago, just the thought of eating afterwards what would turn my stomach yet that's exactly what i needed to do directly afterwards so that begs the question and we're going to get to all of this in the second half of the show which you're all going to love over on patreon.com forward slash irishman abroad we're going to talk about post race refuel and that kind of snack that won't kill you completely and equally we need to talk about mid-race when is it time to reach for gels and maybe a couple of your own recipes Sonia will be thrown in because of course if you are a patron of this podcast you get the illustrated notes each week which I have to say have been a gold mine of extra information for runners who want Sonia's advice extra tips links and blogs for different aspects that we touch off and don't have time to go into in the episode. It's all over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. For the price of a simple pint, you can get access to hundreds and hundreds of episodes and support our show going forward. It can't keep going without the support of our brilliant listeners. I want to say a special thanks as well, Sonia, to people that have donated to my I Donate this week. I am obviously getting closer. I looked at the page this week and I was like, I've done 1600 kilometers of the 2000 and I kind of can't wrap my brain around that, that even with two months of rehab and injury, we're going to do this. This is going to happen. I promised to run 2000 kilometers for Jigsaw.ie, my chosen charity partner, only 400 kilometers away. I would love if you sponsored me. I donate.ie if you want to jump on board. A massive thanks to all the patrons and all those donors. Hundreds of you have already done this. Please, if you haven't, come on over to I donate.ie. Just search my name or Irishman running abroad. But for now, Sonia, that's that's our break. That's our that's our mid show break. And we will see you on the other side. Brian Connolly's on sound and Tina and Mikey make it all possible. Thanks, Sonia, for the first half. No problem. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. <laughs> 